Today, we are all about Moon Knight. With the big Disney Plus series set to premiere in just a few weeks, we take it all the way back to the very beginning, the inspirations, the very purpose for Moon Knight's existence with the origin, the origins from the author and the creators of the classic work that put Moon Knight on the map. These are the guys that made Moon Knight and made him such a giant hit. And we discuss how Marvel carefully placed Moon Knight throughout their line to continue building him and his popularity uh, when he was first created and formed. And, and, and did, did a Marvel editor actually tell the artist of Moon Knight? Did a Marvel editor actually say these words? Since DC can't get Batman right, Marvel can and we'll show them how to do it. Find out who said that, when it was said, was it even said at all, on today's observations. Hey everybody, this is Rob Liefeld. You are listening to another edition of observations. Rob observations is uh, the, the comics industry, the pop culture world, uh, streaming, movies, everything from my perspective since I was a kid, seven years old, growing up, watching comic books develop and uh, just having them change my life, influence me, entertain me above all else. I share that with you here each and every episode, trying to uh, just continue to go down the path of of, of really pri- primarily whatever is grabbing my attention at the time that I can kind of turn around and maybe get, uh, shed some, some new light on. And today... We're going to do that with Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Wow. He is getting so much attention. He is getting uh, just an amazing amount of hype right now, and deservedly so. Uh, Looks like Marvel has poured in significant resources, making it extremely, um, extremely, uh, you know, expensive and, and impressive. And it looks just absolutely out of this world, uh, the, the trailers, all of the, uh, poster drops, all of the kind of profiles that, that their video profiles of what we're about to see look, look outstanding. They look amazing. Um, obviously Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke, both of them are ridiculous in terms of actor talent pedigree, big names, maybe the biggest names Marvel has brought into the fold. And, uh, again, of, of the latest, footage that I've seen it. It looks amazing. Uh, Moon Knight is interesting in that he has gotten, I'm guilty of losing him myself in, in kind of the pantheon of history. Moon Knight was a book I bought every time out. I bought every single appearance. I never missed him. I was there at the beginning. I followed him all the way through, uh, through what I, what I would call the bronze age, my youth. And it was really tied to as so much is with the talent. And we'll get to that in a second and those amazing names. But uh, I would consider him a strong B-list character, except there are no B-list characters anymore. They just become A-list um, almost overnight nowadays. Whether it's the Peacemaker or now Moon Knight or She-Hulk. Uh, again, that late 70s, 1975 to 1979 is turning out to be quite the boon for Marvel Comics. Uh, stuff like Ghost Rider, they've already uh, you know exploited uh, multiple films, but I, I feel like he's on a, on a big... Rebound, uh, Moon Knight, 1975, uh, She-Hulk, 1979. Uh, we, we, we've covered Shang-Chi, about 1972. I mean, the Eternals, 1976. This entire era is a product of like the hippie era, the post-Vietnam era, the, the throw it all against the wall and see if it sticks Marvel Comics era. It was really fun uh, to be a part of as a kid because there was so much, um, just so much variety available and um, it's uh, it's it's really fun, you know, to watch these characters step into the spotlight and become just uh, now like iconic overnight. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Moon Knight is going to be the show and the character that everyone knows about, everyone's talking about, everyone has an opinion about, and 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 it and it's fun having again been there from you know the ground up when the character was first launched and watching, you know 
Moon Knight kind of take take flight. And I thought today I would share with you guys, really go back straight to the source, because the source is where all the fun is. The source is where so much of the uh, excitement lies. What 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 was the uh, the inspiration behind the creators who first brought us Moon Knight, and what was you know the impetus uh, for, for Moon Knight arriving in the manner that he did? And it's all great, and I think it's going to entertain you, and I think it's going to really uh, give you a kick to go and and again, as always, uh, quoting directly from the creators uh, uh, who, who brought you all of the original Moon Knight adventures and shaped what you're about to see uh, before you when when it comes. On, on Disney Plus here in just a few weeks. As so many of you no doubt are aware, uh, Moon Knight made his appearance in a book called Werewolf by Night. This was the period that we don't discuss nearly enough uh, on, on this show, and, and someday I'll have to devote more time to it. Maybe it'd be perfect for a Halloween-themed episode. But the monster era of, of Marvel in general was fantastic. I mean, uh, eventually, <laughs> because that's what they do, they teamed them all up. And made them the Legion of Monsters. But I'm talking Morbius. I'm talking uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, Man-Thing. Uh, the Frank- Frankenstein's monster. And, and Werewolf by Night. And and uh, that monster era for them. I mean, Frankenstein's monster had a long-standing book with A-list talent. John Buscema, Mike Plug, Werewolf by Night. Mike Plug, uh, Doug Mensch. Uh, obviously, Tuma Dracula, Marv Wolfman, and Gene Colan. Um, the various Morbius appearances from... Uh, whether it's Roy Thomas, uh, you know, Gil Kane, Ross Andrew, just just an amazing, an amazing uh, barrage. And Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider just exploded um, in in the seventies. I mean, combining like the, all of the occult stuff that was going on because that was huge growing up, especially as a Baptist minister's kid. Way more aware of it than I probably should be because my 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 parents were so aware of all the devil stuff, maybe overtly so, and overreacted to it. But then there's the biker. You know, that was the rise of the Harley Davidson, the biker. Um, so, so so Ghost Rider, obviously huge. And Werewolf by Night ran for like three plus years, which back in the 70s is a great run considering books like The Champions, you know, were gone within two years. And, and, a, and a book like Black Goliath made it like five issues. Um, not everything. Oh, uh, there, there was a movie, uh, a comic book called Omega the Unknown. I almost said Omac. Omega the Unknown. I dug the character. I dug the look. He kind of had a cosmic bend to him. Very few issues, maybe seven or eight issues. Um, so, so Werewolf by Night, having this extended run in the 70s, was a really big deal. And so, uh, you know, towards the 30th, around the 30th issue, the writer of the book, Doug Mensch, wanted to bring in a uh, a cabal called the Committee who wanted to take down uh, Werewolf by by Night. And, you know... The thing with the character of Jack uh, of, of Werewolf by Night, uh, Jack, could uh, he he was the protagonist, and he could you know turn into a werewolf. He could control it. He could absolutely one hundred percent control when he uh, w- w- would become this this werewolf. But this uh, committee was they're they're literally called the committee hired a mercenary. And this mercenary was Moon Knight. Now, in at, when, when he was asked, you know, what was the inspiration? How did this come about? Doug Mensch, the, the writer of Werewolf by Night, the creator of Moon Knight, said, well, I needed to do the next plot for Werewolf by Night. I decided to create a new villain. But when the protagonist is a werewolf, the character fighting the werewolf becomes kind of a hero. So I decided I would have an anti-hero. This character became a mercenary and an organization called The Committee hired him to go after the werewolf. I came up with a character whose every design and gimmick was related to the werewolf. The first thing that I thought of was the moon, because after all, the moon is what triggers the transformation into a werewolf. This new character would be themed around the moon. So, I mean, really tit for tat here. I mean, no werewolf by night, no moon night. Uh, that made me think of a black and white costume. Then of its crescent moon, most of it is black, but part of it is white and so on. I thought, hey, this would be cool. It'd be the first time I'd ever heard of it where, where there would be a costume with no color on it. And man, that was a hard time getting colors to not put color on the costume. Uh, I also gave him a glove with silver spikes called a cestus, which is something that gladiators in ancient Rome uh, had in their in their gladiator pits. Uh, and silver hurts werewolves, so this character had, a cr- had crescent-shaped darts, and the darts were also made out of silver. 
Um, everything about Moon Knight was designed to have him go up against a werewolf. So there you go. I mean, right there, very, I mean, boom, very insightful. Doug Mensch, by the way, M-O-E-N-C-H, was writing Shang-Chi, uh, Master of Kung Fu. He was uh, writing uh, the weird world fantasy stuff that I had told you about. He he was um, writing Doc Savage, one of the licensed comics for, for Marvel. I mean, it, he was extremely, extremely busy, and he was writing the Hulk magazine, which will come into play here in a minute. So he said he sat down uh, with, uh, in, in, in coming up with the name, Doug says that he sat down with editor Len Wein and he had 15 different names for the character. Uh, as they were going down the names, he got to the name Moon Knight. He said it was around the fourth name that he read off to him. And Len Wein was like, that's a great name. I love it. Moon Knight. That sounds cool. Let, let, let's go with that. Doug Mench says uh, that he had a couple other names, but thought, you know, Moon Knight, Len likes it. Let's stick with that. Uh, it, it seemed like an odd name, but it also clicked. And that is exactly how the character of Moon Knight was created. He said, uh, after the two-part appearance in Werewolf by Night, and let me tell you something, you know, when kids my age were going to the spinner rack and, and encountering these comics in 1975, uh, the cover editor during this period, like 73, 74, 75, 76, is one of the most accomplished uh, and influential artists of all time in the comic book medium. His name is Gil Kane. It's just that simple. Gil and Kane. Gil Kane. Killer name. Uh, Gil is a huge influence on artists such as the aforementioned Ross Andrew, who did years worth of Spider-Man, drew the Spider-Man versus Superman comic that I did one of my earliest podcasts on, which is which is a mega accomplishment. Um, even though Neil Adams, as you'll see in that, and John Romita Jr. did some art adjustments. The work that Ross Andrew did is stunning. He, he, he's fantastic. He's very influenced by Gil Kane. But probably the most famous name you're going to hear, and boy, do you hear him a lot on the show, and, and you're not going to stop hearing about him because his accomplishments don't stop, is Frank Miller. Frank Miller based almost entirely all of his drawing style, uh, especially while he was doing Daredevil, on Gil Kane's work that he had done on Daredevil, The Adam, Green Lantern, Hawk and Dove. Uh, Gil Kane had just just an extraordinary figure work. There was no way that a figure, he would contort and bend and pose figures in the most dynamic fashion that anyone in the history of comics has done. Guys like Kirby and John Buscema would give you strength and power, but Gil Kane gave you movement and, uh, and, and gestures uh, that always dynamic movement and dynamic gestures that 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 set himself apart from every single artist I've ever seen. And the guy who came closest to capturing that is Frank Miller, 100%. And uh, the thing with, uh, with, with Gil Kane, he was the cover editor during this period. There were, there were weeks that if Marvel put out 12 comics in 1975, Gil Kane did every single cover. Again, I refer you to the Twitter handle called Rack Spinner or the Spinner Rack. Um, sometimes they print entire weeks. The Spinner Rack puts what comics are coming out on what date and uh, of whatever year. Like if it's, uh, you know, in the month of March, they'll put out every day what was coming out that day, whether it was 1972, 1978, 1985, 1992. Uh, and, and, and in the 70s, during this period where Gil, Gil Kane was the cover artist, he did the cover to the Avengers, he did the cover to the Defenders, he did the cover to the Western comics like, like Two Gun Kid and Kid Colt, he did the Werewolf by Night, he did, um, you know, it, 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 there is there, there was a bunch of uh, horror books Marvel was doing, Crypt of Shadows, stuff like that. I mean, they would all be Conan, he'd do the cover to Conan, uh, just ridiculous, ridiculously prolific with his cover imagery, iconic imagery, and the two issues of Werewolf by Night, I believe... Werewolf by Night 32 and 33, the first appearances of Moon Knight are striking. And when you saw those on the spinner rack, as I did, it was like, wait, who's this guy? And again, the all white, just, you know, black rendering and shading and all white, you know, punching. Uh, I mean, Werewolf by Night, the, the werewolf, the star, the title guy, but, but Moon Knight is striking on both covers. 33, I think I like even more when they're grappling on the ladder, on the, on the helicopter ladder and, uh, I mean, just amazingly ridiculous detail, and and I I I was not buying Werewolf by Night religiously, but Moon Knight made me buy Werewolf by Night. He just he wasn't in my budget, 
you know, I was much more dedicated to, again, all the team books that were being put out at the time, The Inhumans, uh, X-Men, Defenders, Avengers, uh, Fantastic Four. I mean, team books got all my money. The print, you know, if I, if I saw a Justice League issue that I liked, I'd buy that. So, so to go outside that realm and then, you know, I would buy the occasional, the Daredevil at the time prior to Frank Miller and Captain America religiously, um, was maybe Captain America and Thor were maybe my first, my two favorite solo, uh, Marvel characters. But so to get werewolf by night, because wow, who's this striking character? And, and that those, those two issues, I mean, I was so excited to have them and the interiors as exciting as they are, do not hold a candle to how excellent these covers are. I mean, these covers are, are just stunning with Moon Knight facing off against Werewolf. Well, obviously, as with any character that's been introduced, uh, you know, the fans weigh in. And in this case, they weighed in just emphatically in favor of, of just with, with all the love in the world that they could possibly muster for Moon Knight. And, and, you know, who was this character, this guy who took this contract and, of course, he and Werewolf team up because he, he, he sees that, you know, Werewolf's a good guy and they decide to take down the committee themselves. So it's, uh, you know, it was a cool story and it left you definitely wanting more. So after his Werewolf by Night appearance, another editor, Marv Wolfman, because Marv Wolfman and Len Wein were both, along with Jerry Conway, Roy Thomas, they were the writer editors of the time. It was a, there was a period for about four, five years that writer editors, they, they, didn't, they didn't even need to come into the office a lot of the times. And, and, and Jim Shearer will tell you that when he was starting out and rising through the ranks under Archie Goodwin and these other guys, they weren't coming in. Len Weaney said would, would you know, come in at three o'clock and leave at six o'clock, but that doesn't mean the work wasn't getting done. He just wasn't there in the office. It was again, more of this, what I call the hippie lifestyle, the more laid back. Um, and these guys were writers first, but the money was great in being an editor, the extra, you know, uh, salary. So, so they, they would juggle this. So, so someone as esteemed and brilliant, a writer as Marv Wolfman was acting also in an editorial capacity. And so he calls up Doug Mensch, says, Hey, why don't we take Moon Knight out of Werewolf by Night and, uh, and spin him off into a two-part story in our Marvel Spotlight series. Marvel Spotlight, like Marvel premiere would give different characters, different, you know, uh, uh, time to shine like a two-parter or one-parter, you know, a little, little bit of a pilot episode, a, a, a test run. And, uh, so, Doug Mensch says, well, he figured, why not? Uh, you know, I can flesh Moon Knight out a little and, and, and really push more of the hero of his character to the forefront. And uh, Doug decided, you know, while he would still be a mercenary and not completely, you know, on the side of good, you know, that, that, that this new uh, Moon Knight identity that he had adopted is, is his attempt to atone for all his past sins as a mercenary, all the people he's killed. So, uh, you know, he, he, he talks about his approach to those Marvel spotlight issues. And then those did so well. And let me tell you at that time, Moon Knight is also appearing in spectacular Spider-Man and he also becomes a member of the defenders. And, you know, so, so I've seen him in Werewolf by Night. I've gotten the Marvel spotlights cause I'm going to follow this character. And, and it's fun to kind of take a bite on those those uh, the, the, those those like just two part stories where you get another taste of the character. I mean the the uh, Scott Lang, who is the Ant Man that we all love that that is uh, that, that is portrayed on screen, uh, came about as a a Marvel Spotlight type story. Except it wasn't Marvel Spotlight; it was Marvel Premiere. He had uh, been introduced briefly in Iron Man. Maybe the Avengers, a glimpse of him, but then they gave him a dedicated two-part story. That's it. And you were so excited. And it was uh, big-time big, big time talent, John Byrne, Bob Layton, and it only made you want more of the, scant, the Scott Lang, who was completely different from Hank Pym, had a completely different background, was a thief, stole the armor. And, uh, you know, so Paul Rudd really is an, a, a result of the buzz that those two issues gave to Scott Lang. And then the same place here with with Moon Knight he's gaining more and more traction and Marvel is putting him in more and more uh, comics to feature him because they are getting mail and response and so they want to elevate Moon Knight's importance now when he's in these issues of the Defenders after the Marvel spotlights I'm going to tell you that the guy drawing Defenders at the time 
the earliest work by Keith Giffen is drawing like this badass uh, Jack Kirby. I mean, literally like the very best of Jack Kirby. The splash page to Defenders number 49 is Moon Knight flying right at you. And it is fantastic. It looks exactly like how Jack King Kirby would have portrayed him in, in uh, at the at the peak of his artistic powers. And, and Keith Giffen is not going to argue with you. He's going to tell you 100% I am trying to embody every aspect of the spirit of Jack Kirby's work in these Defenders issues. And to kids like me, I just... And, and even though he was embodying Jack, that there was a little bit of, you know... Keith Giffen's personal style that he was weaving into this, but but the Moon Knight coming on the scene and being part of the Defenders and then being part of my favorite issue ever, I've talked about it here on the show, Defenders 50. Fantastic 50th issue. Um, it's the Defenders uh, versus the Zodiac team, and it is balls-to-the-wall action, Nighthawk, Hulk, Valkyrie, uh, and, and and Moon Knight. And Moon Knight kicks all sorts of ass. He's part of this epic double pager where they're all blasting through. Um, it just made me love Moon Knight more, want to look and, ca- and catch his, his adventures more. Again, he went right into Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. And I mean, this guy is, so, so he's, he's attacking Spider-Man, cutting his costume with his, uh, his crescent stars. Uh, and, and, and so you go, whoa, hey, you know, what's going on here? Moon Knight's now fighting Spider-Man, you know, and we've already established that Spider-Man was their top selling comic book in the seventies at, at this, at this point in time. And so, you know, by the light of the silvery Moon Knight is the, uh, appearance in, in, in Spider-Man. And it again goes into two issues. They battle Cyclone first, as is the way of superhero team-ups. They fight each other. Moon Knight and Spider-Man fight each other. Um, you know, take shots at each other, um, feel each other out, go, go square off. And Moon Knight, you know, is able to cut Spider-Man's webs when he's casting them with his sharp crescent, you know, stars, uh, his, his throwing star, his, his throwing crescents. And, uh, but then they're both attacked by the cyclone. So the second issue in, uh, in, in, in Peter Parker, uh, spectacular Spider-Man issue 23, 22 and 23 are these excellent, Moon Knight uh, crossover issues again, giving him all the more, uh, uh, you know, exposure on the biggest stage. Then Marvel Two and One is a big selling book. It's a number four top selling book for for uh, Marvel because it has the Thing and everything Fantastic Four and everything Spider Man related was at the top of the charts in 1978, 1979. The X Men had just become monthly. They were just coming off the bi monthly schedule. So again, the, the pantheon of the top books at Marvel were Spider-Man books and Fantastic Four books. And so Moon Knight goes from the Defenders into the pages of Spider-Man, into the pages of Marvel 2-in-1 issue 52, a kick-ass George Perez cover, and then a killer issue where he teams up and uh, battles uh, a guy named Crossfire alongside The Thing. It's got great art by Jim Craig. And from then, we catch up with Moon Knight as a dedicated back-issue feature in the Hulk magazine. The Hulk magazine was a huge success, sometimes outselling uh, early on the actual Hulk comic book because they spun off to coincide with the Lou Ferrigno TV show. They wanted a, a magazine size, so that next to People magazine, Time magazine, Life magazine, Sports Illustrated, that's where the Hulk magazines were racked. They were, again, the size of these giant magazines. Sometimes you would see them at the point of purchase um, uh, you know, area checking out at the grocery stores. Most kids my age love to go to the grocery store. And when you were fat little Robbie, you want to make sure the best chocolate milk and the best Twinkies and the best potato chips um, were being bought, especially when your mom is not health-minded whatsoever and just wants to keep your big fat mouth full. So um, I would go to all of the grocery store uh, trips with my mom. Like, grocery store, boom, I'm there. Uh, my kids now do the same thing with my, my wife, but they bring back all of the like the healthy stuff, the kale, the healthy salads. They want to make sure like the almond milk, everything. And I'm like, man, when I went to with my my mom, it was like, where's all that sugary treats, right? But 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 now my kids do it so that they can be lean and mean and healthy and good for them. But but when I went to the grocery store, I would see the magazines. And again, Savage Sword of Conan, huge hit for Marvel Comics. The Planet of the Apes magazine, uh, that Marvel was doing Doc Savage as a magazine. They were doing a ton of magazine, uh, uh, comp- complimentary magazines that cost more and, and were getting great newsstand, you know, uh, distribution and exposure. And so the Hulk 
was a big part of it was was a big part the cover of the first appearance of Moon Knight on the Hulk. It says in full color Marvel's TV sensation the Hulk, and it was in the back of the Hulk magazine that Moon Knight became a dedicated backup feature for the remainder of that magazine's run. I mean, 12, 15 pages an issue, and it was where Moon Knight would find its definitive artistic voice under the pen and pencil of Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, Bill Sienkiewicz, S-I-E-N-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z. The the most difficult name that all of us fans had to learn to say, so much so that Marvel put a bracket breaking down phonically how you pronounce his name in the comic book. I so, so whenever I complain about people butchering my own name, Liefeld, I go, man, Bill, Bill is, uh, Bill is, 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 is one in a million and, and has met, had this amazing, extraordinary career, very memorable name, but it took a little while to understand that it was pronounced Sienkiewicz. And Bill Sienkiewicz is a phenomenon. Like Frank Miller shoots out of nowhere at a young age with almost a fully accomplished style that he will admit, readily admit, is in the Neil Adams vein. And he comes on board, and they offer him Moon Knight. And for my money, this is where Moon Knight goes from really intriguing, popular character. We've already you know, shown how he, Werewolf by Night, to jump from Werewolf by Night to you know, Marvel Spotlight, to The Defenders, to big profile, you know, uh, guest appearances in Spider-Man, and then with the thing in Marvel 2 and 1, and now in the backup of their giant best-selling Hulk magazine that was on the newsstands. And in, in these brilliant, like, painted color, uh, a guy named Steve Olaf, who I've talked about as the, as the pioneer of computer color, this was his first job. Bill says they were hired together because it's, um, like these blue line, uh, more painted colors. It was a different photo separation. It wasn't the same standard way that we got our newsprint comic books. So Bill's work was presented to us in the most amazing fashion. And, and, and look, it didn't need any polish. It was that good on its own, but the Steve Olaf aspect of it was just all the better. So the, uh, you know, literally this was Bill's, Bill Sienkiewicz's debut. And, and from the outset, he made Moon Knight his very own character. Bill Sienkiewicz, uh, had not been published up to that point. So, uh, you know, he said that he had dropped his samples off with Marvel. They definitely had a Neil Adams, uh, flavor to them. And he said, look, I knew who Doug Mensch was. I had read a lot of Doug Mensch stories, but as far as Moon Knight, I had no idea who this character was. <laughs> this is just one of those days, man. <laughs> if you knew what I've gone through, uh, it, 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 you know, this is what recording in your home does. All of the different challenges. Hilarious. So sorry for the little beeps and, you know, ding-dongs you hear occasionally. Um, so Bill says, when I went to Marvel Comics, they offered me a Moon Knight. And it was the, uh, this duality with the character that, that I was excited by. And... Uh, so, so they gave him Moon Knight to illustrate with Doug Mensch in the back of the Hulk magazine. Um, here's the funny part. I think this is that really, this is, this speaks to like, again, the ruthless competition that I mentioned that has always existed between Marvel and DC. It's not imagined. If you think, oh man, there's no, there's, there's no rivalry. Well, that, that's not true. Al Milgram, also known as Alan Milgram, also known as to fans as Editori Al. He gave himself that moniker when he was um, editing the Marvel fanfare, kind of an elite, you know, uh, really nice high-end comic book that that, that was a rotating uh, showcase for top talents, whether they were doing X-Men stories, Doctor Strange stories, Captain America stories, Daredevil stories. Um, Marvel fanfare was a big deal growing up, and he was the editor, the curator. Well, the editor of the magazine at this time was Al Milgram, and it says that Bill, Bill Sienkiewicz says that the editor, Al Milgram, approached me and said, look, you need to think of Moon Knight this way. Again, I am reading this directly from Bill Sienkiewicz's mouth. Since DC can't do Batman right, at least Marvel can. Uh, he said, I took that as a license to just go for it. This is Bill's own words. Uh, so he then talked it over with Doug Mensch and all the things they could do um, uh, that, that, that made Moon Knight different than Batman, because again, Doug Mensch is flustered by the by the by the by the fact that he believes people erroneously compare the two. But yeah, I, I've been part of this myself too. You create characters, and people want to draw comparisons that aren't there. I never thought Moon Knight was Batman, but I get the people who do. I understand the 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 tiny you know 
uh, uh, connection that they, they see a guy at night with a cape fighting crime. And one of his identities, which we're going to get to, is, is, you know, a rich guy. So I, I understand that. Here, Doug Mensch actually says, I always object when people say Moon Knight is Marvel's clone of Batman. Nothing can be further from the truth, says Doug Mensch. He started out as a mercenary in Werewolf by Night. He had nothing to do with Batman. I think the major reason that people say this is because he is a creature of the night. And, uh, well, yeah, Werewolf was a creature of the night too. Another thing is, when Bill Sienkiewicz came on, Bill was very much drawing in the school of Neil Adams. And Neil Adams had done critically acclaimed work on Batman. So it kind of came across as, wow, this looks like Marvel's Batman. Um, The other thing is neither of them at this point in their character had superpowers. Um, You know, um, and, and again, he really wants to lean into the fact that they, and he should, and, and certainly the show is with, uh, you know, that, 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 that's going on Disney plus the show is leaning into the multiple personalities. He says, uh, and Doug Mitch says, it always bugged me and, and, and it will never completely shake loose. And he says, and then I probably helped contributed, contribute to it. Doug Mitch is saying, because when he left DC, he went to write Batman and he did a long, long tenure on Batman. He said, so that's something else that I know people look at. Uh, Bill Sienkiewicz weighed in and says, I totally agree that he's a completely different character. The flavor and the attitude of the character being dark in a lot of ways may be where the comparisons can be made. But we've done so much more with the psychology of multiple personalities, which I probably um, would have been ready for right around the time we did their story, Hit It. And Hit It is a seminal uh, Moon Knight story. Bill Sienkiewicz just lets it rip. Like he said, it is pulse pounding, you know, a night in the life of Moon Knight just takes place. Just, you can feel that the speed of the time that goes by as, as Moon Knight races the clock, it is fantastic. Bill Sienkiewicz says, by that time I was really looking at Moon Knight differently. And, and, and the first thing I was looking at as a chance to do a lot of the things that I was doing that had I been working on Batman. And he said, uh, you know, look, the way Moon Knight was written, he was not Batman. He says, I think Al Milgram saying that Batman comment to me was his way of speaking carefully to the new guy so that I'd understand it. But I don't necessarily, this is Bill Sienkiewicz talking, see the Batman connection is a bad thing. I certainly did my part in keeping that theory alive over the years. I don't think I did you any favors. Now, here's the deal. I'll um, attach to this podcast the two. Um, Bill did a joking uh, illustration to a fanzine where Moon Knight is kind of pushing Batman aside and like the new guy's here. Neil Adams then responded to that and has a picture of Batman tripping Moon Knight. It's great. So Neil draws Moon Knight and Batman, and Bill Sienkiewicz draws Moon Knight and Batman, both in fanzines, kind of commenting on each other and, 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 the, and the hierarchy and the comp- competition between the two characters. But, uh, you know, and again, he just speaks, Bill Sienkiewicz speaks more about his style, saying he broke out with a Neil Adams style. It, he had come from an art school. Neil Adams, in his opinion, was doing the best work in the business. And he saw other guys like Mike Grell, who had been successfully doing Neil Adams, whether it was on Green Lantern or the Warlord series or Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. So he said, I can, I can do Neil. Um, and uh, Doug Mensch says that, um, you know, he, he definitely, uh, you know, enhanced the look of Moon Knight when he came on. And again, these two guys go on to do 30 issues together. And uh, their backups are so popular that Moon Knight gets his own series. And Moon Knight number one is skyrocketing, premier issue. They become one to do what they must. And they really leaned into the idea, uh, you know, that, 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 that Moon Knight has these three different personalities. And, and look, don't, you know, I don't need to read you anything from the uh, from an interview with them. Uh, I, I can just open up Moon Knight number one and show you. And, and again, you're going to get a taste of what they're doing in the, in the Oscar Isaac show. But early on, right in the opening of Moon Knight number one, they tell you, you know, in the Sudan, Mark Spector fighting as a mercenary, betrayed by the Bushmaster, left to die, you know, uh, believes he is arisen by the spirit of this Egyptian god, uh, you know, um, Khonshu, Khonshu, uh, the, the god of the moon, taker of vengeance. And, 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 and Mark Spector believes that he has been, re, you know, basically kind of the idea that he's been reincarnated from death by the spirit and decides then to go and exact his vengeance in the city 
uh, dressed with a cowl around him. It's really cool. It's kind of the, you know, the birth, the origin. But when he gets back to New York City, you see all three different uh, identities. And it says, uh, Mark Spector regains his health and acquires new identities. He is still Mark Spector. He becomes Stephen Grant, Wall Street wizard, whose Wall Street wizardry parlays Spectre's modest savings into a millionaire's fortune. Then he adds Jake Lockley to his list of selves. Jake, a street smart cabbie who hears everything. Together with his girlfriend Marlene and his assistant Frenchie, they live in a Long Island mansion, mansion and altogether they are Moon Knight. Continuing the mission Mark Spectre began from Pharaoh's tomb. So in the beginning of Moon Knight, the three personalities that you're going to see play out were not part of a disassociative, you know, personality order disorder. Um, uh, uh, once called schizophrenia, which is you know they, they they no longer refer to it as that. But uh, you know, um, Doug Mensch is the person that created this. You know, uh, Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, and Jake Lockley. And, you know, he, he said the Mark Spector, you know, mercenary was the primary in his mind, but he became this almost Bruce Wayne type, you know, secondary personality that had the Wall Street holdings, transformed his earnings from killing people that he was paid substantial amounts of money as a mercenary, uh, turned that into a millionaire uh, fortune, probably now, you know, hundreds of millions on the show in the current day. Um, I don't know in terms of how rich he is in the Marvel Universe. I'm not that up to date. And uh, and then he says he added the Jake Lockley character um, because uh, because it was a way for him to, he said, uh, a cabbie, like a cabbie in New York in, in 1979 is a guy who's driving all over the city, hearing everything and mingles with everyone, people on the diner, people on the street, people in his car. So Jake Lockley was specifically created for the purpose about the guy that would hear about all the crime that was going on in the streets. Stephen Grant was the rich guy who invested money and would attend all the rich, you know, um, um, socialite, you know, New York elite uh, uh, happenings, fundraisers. And then, of course, Mark Spector is, you know, the guy with all the the mercenary background. And together, all those personalities would go towards him bringing down crime. And, uh, and again, the crime, him becoming a crime fighter is him part of, you know, being resurrected and feeling he needs to atone for past sins, which is great. It's, it's fantastic. And, and again, it's very biblical. The story of Saul, Paul, Saul was a, you know, persecuting the Jews, a Jew persecuting the Jews for the Roman empire on the street, on, you know, on the road to Damascus, God comes to him, changes his outlook on life, transforms him. And he becomes, he, 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 he puts down his, uh, weapons as, as a, as a, persecutor and 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 working alongside Rome and instead becomes an apostle and 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 wants to save lives instead of now you know take lives so the whole Mark Spector awakening in in, in front of an Egyptian god uh who's the, the, the god they in this original origin story Kushnu is uh is uh is is like a statue that that Mark is awakened in front of he's not there he's not talking to them he's not he's not you know, present and interacting with him. I want to make that clear in, in, in case you haven't. And look, you, you need to see these books. They're, they're amazing. They're, the, the, the Bill Sienkiewicz art alone is, is fantastic. And everything that they established in these first 30 issues, Moon Knight was up there with Daredevil. Uh, Frank was just so good that he was outshining anybody and everybody. But again, yes, Khonshu, K-H-O-N-S-H-U, that statue is what Spectre is killed in front of and then, of course, reborn and very much Moon Knight looks like this statue. Now, I know they've taken it into a more supernatural realm and just like with Shang-Chi, which also, I mean, created, you know, by Jim Starlin, but then later enhanced uh, and written for multiple, upon multiple years by Doug Mensch, Shang-Chi was a giant hit for Marvel Comics, running well over 100 issues. I mean, again, when, when we talk about, well, Werewolf by Night did three years, which was better than the six or seven issues of some. I mean, Matt Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, 125 issues, huge monster hit, uh, was a espionage spy thriller. Shang-Chi was chasing down his father's crime empire alongside British agents, and it had all manner of... Uh, 
of just intrigue and it was very grounded and very much in the uh you know the espionage world and 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 then when we see the movie marvel has made shang chi magical the 10 rings all sorts of sorcery uh, a mystical land all that stuff none of that stuff was in the shang chi comics prior to disney reformatting their vision for what they wanted to give audiences so they took the essence and, and, and I've talked to people this summer. There are people who really didn't like the direction that Marvel went in. I wasn't offended by it. I, I thought, this is this is fun. It's still a character I like. When he's kicking everyone's ass and, 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 and utilizing his martial arts, it's very cool. I was not expecting the magic part of the Shang-Chi stuff whatsoever. But the reason I'm bringing this up is I believe they're going to lean heavily into this. Further writers, and Doug Mensch said writers have called him, who later on did Moon Knight, uh, in the in the later 80s, in the 90s, and said, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to honor you. That's how memorable this Bill Sienkiewicz and Doug Minch take on, on Moon Knight is. It, it is as transformative in, in regards to a, a body of work that people look at as mature. They look at it um, because shortly into its run, Marvel made it a direct market-only comic book, a comic book that you could only get at comic book stores. And and, and here's here's a couple things that we want to wrap up with in regards to this early rise of Moon Knight, because again, the entire history is 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 becomes more and more complicated. As you know, I think it's a natural what Doug set up that someone would want to come in and go, "Hey, I'm going to make these personalities like a a a, a, a you know." A dissociative personality situation, and and uh, not schizophrenia, which was semi, you know, danced around. But again, in the early the early stages, Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, Jake Lockley are deliberate. They're deliberate. They're part of a plan. Um, he is not per se crazy, and he is extremely, uh, you know, well spoken. Uh, uh, very professional in, in, in his capabilities that he brings as a mercenary to his role as this crime fighter. It was, I, I love Moon Knight. I never missed an issue. I don't talk about it nearly enough because it got so overshadowed by the giant pillars of the time. But the ir- irony is Moon Knight and the new Teen Titans, the George Perez, Marv Wolfman reboot of the Teen Titans with Starfire, with Raven, with Cyborg, launched the same month as Moon Knight. And what you don't know, what you, you probably think the new, new Titans was the bigger hit. It was not. Moon Knight outsold it by almost 100,000 copies. Moon Knight was a massive hit. It broke all manner of records. And, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, and Bill and, and Doug talk about the fact that they were not even, you know, prepared for how, how big the response to Moon Knight was going to be. But Moon Knight was very street level. It was very, I mean, he fought werewolves. He fought some supernatural element because, again, Coming from Werewolf by Night, they had to do a revisit of the werewolf and Bill Sink just get those issues for for Bill Sinkevich's rendition of the werewolf. It is the most amazing rendition. It is scary. It is awesome. Um, but uh, uh, you know the thing is that they were very much uh, you know Moon Knight was a giant hit. Another street level character that probably when it was launched was outselling daredevil again frank miller was then surging and within a year daredevil was the number one or number two book depending on the month you know vying with x-men again giant transformation from x-men and and daredevil were both bi-monthly about to be canceled and then surging to the top of the charts is always just going to be an absolute phenomenon but uh but the uh you know moon knight in the in the letters uh page of, of moon knight 15 you know, which would be probably 1981, they inform that Marvel is taking this book to only to comic stores, which means it's no longer returned. And again, as as Doug Mensch says here, you know, when you're doing comic, newsstand was like you have to order 10 to sell three. You'd, you'd have to print 10 copies and give them to the newsstand only in order to send three. And I've, I've talk, talked to you guys about returnability. In the newsstand, if you didn't sell them, you could send them back for credit. So if you bought five Batman and sold two, you could sell three. You could send three back, and all you had to do was tear the covers off. It, it, it was it, it made it easier for you to mail it, so to, so that the parcel was not as heavy, 
And so you tear those covers off, throw the guts in the trash, send them back to the publisher. They tally up, okay, this liquor guy, this account, this 7-Eleven, this, this grocery store, they, they have credit towards the next. So it was almost like you're always chasing the tail in terms of profitability. With the rec market, it was you keep what you buy, we don't take it back. And retailers didn't mind because they always liked having back issues. They liked having some copies of the previous issue so that when you came in and you liked something, they, they, they could direct you and say, oh, here's two, three, and four. I mean, and they... You know, every comic book store I've ever been going to since I started in 1980 marked them up. You didn't pay, you know, the same in the back issue bin as you did when you bought it off the newsstand. It was always marked up a few a few dollars. And if it was in introducing a new character or had had, had, had tremendous heat or it was more rare, obviously you'd end up paying more for it. So the direct market was a boon for books like Moon Knight, which also now not being on the newsstand, they could be more mature and be more violent and more graphic and more sexual. And it was great. Moon Knight, fantastic. But in the letters, the letter telling everyone, Doug Mentz reminds everybody that when they launched this, it was the bestseller for Marvel that month. It was a record setter for them. They, had, they, had, they hadn't sold that much of a comic book in the direct market at any point in time, not X-Men, not anything. Moon Knight was a giant sales success. And again, if you were alive at the time, you remembered it. And that cover to number one is fantastic. Bill Sienkiewicz, just what an appealing cover. The three identities down below, giant Moon Knight shaking his fist at you. Bill also weighs in and says, um, Moon Knight was a record setter. This is Bill Sienkiewicz, his own words. Um, when Marvel told me we were breaking all kinds of records, I was thrilled. Um, he goes, I just didn't have anything to compare it to in my career at that time. Then, then Doug Mench um, completely hits on something that I have. If you followed me on this podcast, you know that this retroactive kind of uh, ret con which comes from you know retroactive continuity and now it's kind of retcon reality people are are retroactively you know recreating a reality that didn't exist to suit one that they want to exist doug mensch says the thing that i was amazed when i eventually quit marvel and went to work for dc and did batman was that the sales for batman were far less than our sales for moon knight and and i just couldn't believe this i mean we were a third higher without even newsstand sales to help us out. Um, he says, eventually, over time, Batman would catch up. But I just thought it was nuts how much Moon Knight was outselling Batman. Boom. Okay. Batman was really struggling until Frank Miller came along on The Dark Knight, which, again, leads us all the way to the road that we're currently at with the Pattinson, Matt Reeves, Batman, which we've discussed here ad nauseum. But uh, these two guys did over 30 issues together. Uh, the backups, and then the comics. Bill Sienkiewicz, Doug Mensch did a three-year run that is as accomplished and amazing and fantastic uh, as as any comic that was coming out in the Bronze Age. Doug Mensch and and and, uh, and Bill Sienkiewicz both talk about the fact that that while they tried to give him a memorable Rogues Gallery, that they felt that they never really achieved something on, on the line with, with giving Moon Knight his own Doctor Doom or his own Green Goblin. Certainly they tried with Bushmaster and, and, and some other characters, but he's, they, they both feel like they didn't really launch him into this pantheon of great villains. But uh, the bottom line is Moon Knight was a, as you've just witnessed, a giant seller, made tons of money, sold tons of copies, broke records. It was the better selling in August 1980, when Titans launches, which kind of got a little more fanfare, because what you don't know is that in, you know, July of 1980, Marvel had the top 20 spots. 1 through 20 was Marvel. DC clocks in at number 21 with a miniseries about Superman called World of Krypton. This is the state of comic books. That's why it was so important to woo over two dynamos like Marvel Wolfman and George Perez, who helped, you know, completely change the culture of what the fans were looking at at DC because all of us Marvel kids wanted to see what the guys who brought us their great Fantastic Four run, Marvel and George had an extended, did, did several issues together with a, you know, George on the Avengers, on the X-Men, um, so many uh, comics that we had all just fawned over Marvel 2-in-1. We followed George, who was such a giant presence, but Right before Titans launches, I mean, Marvel is dominant. They have the top 20 in, in, in July of 1980. So, you know, boom. Then, then, then Moon Knight comes out and just adds to that, to that 
you know, complete, you know, embarrassment of riches that Marvel had during this period where they were just running the show. But Moon Knight, Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, you know, Jake, the, 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 this, this, this was very unique. And it set him apart, certainly not just from Batman, but from Daredevil, from Peter Parker. It was a fresh, uh, and then there's, you know, again, Marlene and Frenchie. It was it was a great cast. It was a really great cast, a really fun comic book. It, it uh, I think it, it, it for, for fans like myself, I mean, some people, Moon Knight is their favorite work. But if you look at those comics, I tell you, the, the groundbreaking art that, that, that Bill Sienkiewicz is doing in those books is absolutely stunning. It is absolutely stunning. And uh, now in the years to come, you know, they would continue to uh, relaunch. And, uh, you know, so, so again, the Charlie Houston run, he's a novelist. This is, he teamed up with the artist who gave me my second favorite rendition of Moon Knight after Bill Sienkiewicz, and that's David Finch. And truthfully, Houston and Finch together created, made Moon Knight again top of the charts, outselling Batman in the early 2000s. They're Moon Knight was outselling DC's Batman, which is, again, why DC went so hard after Dave Finch. That was really Dave Finch's breakout. Like, he'd been on the Avengers, he had been on X-Men, he had been on titles that were bigger than him, but Moon Knight had kind of laid dormant for a long time, and his rendition of Moon Knight was fantastic, and Charlie Houston, you know, was inspired, and people flocked to that book and made it a giant hit, and it only served to make David Finch a a more uh, formidable talent. Doug Mensch says... Charlie Houston got in touch with me about doing Moon Knight when he got the assignment. And he told me what a big fan he was of all the work that Bill and I had done. And he asked me that he said he wanted to treat the book with due respect and wanted to see if he would, Doug would be interested in having any input. Doug Mench said, look, I wish you luck, um, but I will never read what you're doing. Uh, I, I just I just don't read comics after I do them. I don't read the following team. This is common with a lot of people, by the way. And, uh, and he said, he called me an, a few more times and emailed me back and forth. He's a really nice guy, but I have no idea what he ever did with Moon Knight. Well, we, we all know that Moon Knight becomes more and more supernatural and, and, and the, and the, the spirit of Khonshu who, who, uh, who embodies, uh, you know, Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, Jake, all these different characters. They're going to explore that in ways that we don't know. I haven't seen Moon Knight. You haven't seen Moon Knight. We're going to see Moon Knight together. We're going to dig it. But as far as comic books... He exploded on the scene from Werewolf by Night and then boom into one of Marvel's most dynamic team books and then again alongside Spider-Man and then, and then with The Thing and then the backups, uh, I mean really juicy backups in the back of the Hulk magazine which was a big giant newsstand seller and then boom, you know, his own record-breaking launch that is was the bigger launch than New Teen Titans but we talk about New Teen Titans all the time because of the movement that it represented but Moon Knight was ridiculously popular and, uh, and and making it a direct-only title was also a way that Marvel... They, they didn't just do that with Moon Knight. They did that with Micronauts and Kazar, all of which were selling. Do you know there was one month that the top books were like X-Men, Spider-Man, and Micronauts? I mean, they, they took some of their top-selling books and put them in the direct market so that you would go... You It would force you to go to a comic store. Moon Knight was part of that. Moon Knight was the best-selling aspect of that. He was the top seller that they put that said, look, we want to make you transition from newsstands to to the direct market, to comic stores, where Marvel was doing better, where Marvel was making more money, where there was no returnability. And they were taking key books. They didn't want to deny you Spider-Man. And and obviously X-Men had grown such a hit that they needed their big giant flagships on the newsstand. But they wanted to do select books. And again, they're all all very genre books. Kazar, The Savage Land, Micronauts, a little sci-fi, and then a very uh, uh, savvy street-level action book like Moon Knight. And again, you know, you knew... Those weren't available on any spinner rack at 7-Eleven or or the grocery stores. You had to go and get them from comic book stores starting in the middle of of the run because, again, they they go past 30 together. Um, Bill Sienkiewicz sticks with Moon Knight. His work is phenomenal. He he goes on to do New Mutants, to do Elektra, um, to do all manner of amazing covers, illustrations, posters. Uh, He is one of, if not the best illustrator that has ever come through. And when I mean illustrator, I mean above and beyond comic books. I mean his ability to paint, his ability, he's he's got a very design-oriented mind. Um, Bill is truly uh, a savant of art. He is a genius. Um, Alex Ross is a very beautiful painter. Uh, I would say Bill Sienkiewicz is the most daring illustrator 
that ever came through. I've saw I've seen some of his paintings, some of the New Mutants covers he did with Warlock. He has actually circuit boards uh, uh, glued onto the, the the pages to go with the different paint the the the, the paint. And the airbrush, he, he, he took his work so far beyond pen and ink, so far beyond something or anything that any of the rest of my peer group could ever imagine. I mean, he is a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent, and Moon Knight and his work on it with Doug Mensch is substantial, it is excellent. But kudos to Doug Mensch for creating a, you know, character that was meant to hunt down and bring in Werewolf on, on the behalf of this cabal named the Committee because that got all the plates spinning. Doug is 100%, along with Don Perlin, the, the, the primary creator of Moon Knight. And, uh, and, and we are now going to segue as he, you know, debuts in a few weeks on Disney Plus, And we're going to be uh, very thrilled, uh, uh, I, I think, with, with the results because of the talent behind the camera, the talent in front of the camera. Again, Ethan Hawke, Oscar Isaacs alone are just two dynamo um, performers. And seeing uh, some of the footage that I've seen of them in, in, in you know, with the pyramids and, and the spirit of Koshnu. Um, and, and if I said it wrong, the whole, the whole, you know, uh, the, the whole podcast, it's fitting because also, you know, uh, the learning to say Bill Sienkiewicz, um, it, it just, it just fits if I, if I've been, you know, mispronouncing the Egyptian God, uh, that, that, that really embodies the reawakening of Mark Spector. And so we'll see, we'll see what they do in, in terms of, of how much, uh, the, you know, uh, what, what absolute occult and supernatural elements are are in the show. But there you go. That is a, a, a boy's journey, my journey, uh, augmented by the creators kind of giving some 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 commentary tracks as to what happened and, and, the, and the popularity of this character all the way to where I do believe he is going to be much more than Marvel's Batman um, and, and, uh, and, and, and carve out a huge legendary niche for himself with the talent that they've assembled, and I couldn't be more excited, and I loved going, again, down down this road with you guys. Uh, Moon Knight should be a real a real kick, and I'm looking forward to it, and it looks like, it, honestly, like I said, it looks like Marvel um, may, may have opened up uh, the piggy bank and spent the most amount of money that I've seen, because that, that thing uh, looks, looks expansive, expensive, impressive. Uh, this is the time at the end of each show that I read the wonderful and amazing... Uh, and an amazing uh, <laughs> uh, re- responses that you guys have left, uh, you know, for, for for the show. You guys read review. You guys write reviews, and I read them at the end of the show. We need your reviews. I need uh, to know what you guys are saying, and 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 the five stars, um, the, the the great reviews that you guys keep leaving for us, and all the ways that you are so generous and kind in in in, in sharing your word of mouth this this show is growing it's exciting i'm i'm thrilled that you guys are thrilled by it you guys talk to me about it on social media and 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 across um, at the convention appearances and the store appearances and and on message boards and i'm so thrilled to interact with you guys and 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 so when you guys read when you guys leave a uh, a a uh, you know when you guys read uh, when you guys leave these reviews for me, I am always so thrilled to, to read them because it, it just shows us that you guys are really uh, in, enjoying the show and enjoying all the things that that we're, we're bringing to the table. And so here, here, here's um, uh, here's a fun one. I just it's it's it, it's it's brief, but I I just really made me smile. And uh, this is from a guy named Worst of All Time. Hey, Worst of All Time. He's from Great Britain. He left this on the Apple platform. He gave us five stars. He says, this is the best podcast I've ever listened to. Well, thank you. Worst of all time. I can't, it doesn't get better than that. Thank you so much for taking the time to pay back your fans with your time. The impressions had me and my son in stitches. I can smell the nineties and it is so good. Love your personality. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Worst of all time. Thanks for Calling this the best podcast you've ever listened to. Thanks for the five stars. I'm glad that I can make you and your son laugh. It makes me uh, just 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 warms my heart. Um, d- 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 does a body, does a soul good. Thank you. You guys leave the reviews, leave the five stars, the recommendations. I will read them at the end of every episode. You can catch me on social media, on Twitter. I am at Robert Liefeld. Got a blue check at the end so you know it's really me and not some scam artist. I love talking to you. I love our, our inner exchanges, um, our dialogues. Please feel free to reach out. Talk to me on Twitter. I always try and, uh, and and get back with you guys as fast as I possibly can. It's such a blast reaching out and, and, and interacting with you guys. 
on Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld. I post a lot. I, I, I try and share a, a, a ton. Um, I read your comments, your DMs, your messages. I love interacting with you on all these platforms, specifically Instagram and Twitter. This page, uh, this, this podcast, Rob Observations, Rob Observations with Rob Liefeld as a Facebook page. Make your way over. Uh, give us a like. Leave us a comment. We love hearing from you guys. Again, I'm all over Facebook. I am in a million groups. Logan's Run, Land of the Lost, Planet of the Apes. Um, Star Wars groups, Silver Age groups, Bronze Age groups, original art groups. You can find me. You can throw a rock anywhere on Facebook or whatever they call it, Meta now, and you will find me. You will hit me. Um, just don't throw it too hard. I, I got to get up in the morning and, 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 and do my work. So you guys, thank you so much for listening and enjoying the show and spreading the word. You guys know that this is the time of the show where we commit to each other that we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to we're gonna chill when we need to. We're going to relax. We're going to get enough sleep. We're going to read good comics, watch fun movies, eat good food, and just, you know, exhale because these are crazy times we're living in. So just commit to me that you're going to do that and circle back uh, and, 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 and I will see you back here next time where we will most certainly talk again real soon.